0: Hello, my friends. Welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. Paul here. It's the 16th day of February. We're closing out another week, hoping, praying that your week has been wonderful. Whatever's happening in your life, I want you to know God loves you. I want you to know that a great price has been paid for you, that Christ has stepped into death to experience all of the suffering that you'll ever experience so that he can provide you the promise of life. You can have life. So whatever you're going through isn't the end. And I want you to know that that's good news. Good news. It's not the end. There is a bright tomorrow. If your today's pretty bright, well, that's good news too. But I want to give you some hope and some encouragement along the way. Speaking of bright, we've been at transfiguration now for most of this week. Actually, all of this week. And we're doing this from Luke 9 in our journey through the Gospel of Luke. I'm incorporating the ideas that appear in the Matthew version and the Mark version. We're, we're just trying to bring this story into a kind of well-rounded, and I'm doing it a little differently. Yesterday, I started talking to you about some of the elements of the Transfiguration story that are important in the story. And there's so many. I've tried, I'm, I'm, I'm just using a few. And I won't review because why you've got the podcast from yesterday. It's easy to go back and listen to. So we we dealt with a couple things yesterday that transfiguration is all about. Let's deal with a few more today, namely that, well, let's start with the fact that the transfiguration does proclaim Christ as the divine son. That's building off of what we talked about yesterday, but it also is a foreshadow because it is Christ glory emanating from him that's a foreshadow of the glory that he has as the Messiah in the long-awaited kingdom of God in Israel's long history waiting on God's kingdom to invade the earth. Um, Christ as a divine light is a foreshadowing of that moment. The bright cloud that's on the light on the on the mountain is not only, A picture of God, but for Israel, it is a a recalling of temple worship because when the Israelites were in the wilderness, they built the tabernacle. The tabernacle was mobile; you could tear it down, take it to the next place. And then they built the temple in their own land, and which was not mobile; it was a permanent structure. But in both cases, they had the holy of holies, and this is the place the ark of the covenant dwelled. And this is the place that the cloud by day and the fire by night would reside over. And according to Torah, there was a bright cloud or bright light that dwelled there, uh, that in that place of darkness, God's bright light emanated forth from. It was a visible sign of God being present extraordinarily. And Moses would go talk to God And God would speak to him from between the cherubim on top of the Ark of the Covenant. So whenever Peter, Peter's the one that speaks up here, Peter, James, John. Peter makes this famous statement, you know, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three booths, three tabernacles, three little houses, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And it's so easy to cut Peter down and say, Peter doesn't get it. But that's us in retrospect. I want you to think of yourself, if you can, put yourself in Peter's shoes. First century Jew, the stories of the glory of God are kingdom stories. They revolve around the temple. You're a practicing Jew, which means you're practicing the feasts. For Peter, when he sees light on the top of a mountain and Jesus shining like the light, that's one thing. Then when there's Moses and Elijah, that's another because... Peter sees this as a sign that the kingdom has arrived in its fullness. And the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the feast they're heading into, the Feast of Tabernacles is the feast of the coming kingdom. And it's also called in the Old Testament the Feast of Booths. booths They would build little temporary structures and tabernacle together as an anticipation of the fact that they would someday get to dwell in in the kingdom. And so when Peter sees the light, he knows they're coming up on Feast of Tabernacles. He puts two and two together. And he says, "We need to build booths. This is what we do as a people. We build booths in anticipation of this thing that's going to happen." And I think Peter thinks that he's observing the Feast of Tabernacles. He he thinks that they serve as a symbol of God dwelling among his people. Um. here's Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. God's speaking from heaven. All of the things are coinciding, coming together to convince Peter that it's time to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, we know that there can be no tabernacling, and there's a reason for that. Here's the way I think that reason lays out. Moses and Elijah are not just incidental characters. Moses represents the law. And in the Orthodox tradition, he represents everyone who's dead because Moses had died. Elijah represents the prophets. And in that same Orthodox tradition, we don't see Elijah die. We see Elijah be taken away in a chariot. That doesn't mean he doesn't die in the natural, but we don't see it. And there's a reason that the story tells us this way and in that orthodox tradition Elijah then represents everyone who was alive Moses representing everyone who's dead Elijah representing every, representing everyone who's alive meaning all of humanity represented on that mountain two things represented on that mountain law and prophets put it all together the law and the prophets the living and the dead are all there to bear witness to Jesus as the messiah who is the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament and the presence of Moses and Elijah that that might be what Hebrews 12 is talking about when it talks about surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses um, and the communion of the saints but both men are recognizable both men talk to the Lord and the disciples understand now what Jesus meant when he told them Elijah has already come their eyes are being opened to the fact that Malachi refers to the one coming in the spirit, and the power of Elijah, and that, that doesn't mean Elijah himself, but rather John the Baptist. But there's still some confusion on what to do here. And I want to try to close this thought tomorrow and get us out of the transfiguration story while also introducing a transfiguration message that you can expect to see on Sunday. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.